Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, December 7th. As we look to recap, UFC Fight Night Font versus Aldo, which took place back on Saturday, December 4th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Um, big, big recap show here uh, that I'm very excited for. Uh, you know, today's today is just a great day. Absolutely great day. Uh, you know, it's it's finally uh, we're finally accumulating some snow up here in Minnesota. Uh, it feels like it's pretty late in the uh, season for us to be uh, just now getting snow, but uh, you know it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, as uh, as they say. So very very excited. Also a very bad day too because it's the 80th anniversary of uh, Pearl Harbor. So uh, you know that's uh, uh, interesting. It's a long time ago, but uh, yeah, you know maybe I'm mixed bag today, and that's that's fine. But. Uh, very, very excited to be back with you guys. We do have updated rankings, and uh, yeah, we got some shows planned coming up, so you know, we should have some more, uh, some more regular content. Um, I don't think there's any housekeeping. Uh, main card showdown, not really a, a big talking point uh, these days, but uh, yeah, outside of outside of oh, we finally cleaned up our website too. Uh, we had some issue where. Uh, it would just randomly randomly highlight things in yellow, and it was a pain in the ass to remove. But uh, you know that's that's what we do to keep the the UI and and everything fantastic at the website. So we appreciate it if you check that out. We appreciate it if you give us a uh, five star review on uh, whatever you're however you're listening to us. I guess I guess five stars iTunes. I don't know. Do other places do out of ten? Uh, I don't I don't know what Spotify does or anything like that, but in, anywhere you're listening, and there's no shortage of ways to consume uh, the Owen Ely show. I mean, I've I'm still finding places that I didn't even sign up for where the the audio is. So uh, wh- wherever it is, just uh, show some love. Uh, but without further ado, I suppose we can get right into the recap here. Obviously, we'll start with the main event. We had Jose Aldo defeating Rob Font via a 25-minute decision. Um, wasn't really close. It wasn't really close. I had Aldo winning every single round, just like uh, two of the three judges did. I think one of them gave it 49-46 to Font. I mean, is what it is. Uh, correct decision. Just uh, a classic performance by Aldo. And, you know, maybe some people got down on, on Aldo when he lost to Jan. But I saw an interesting graphic, and I think we are, we all knew this because you could go through Jose Aldo fights and figure this out. But Jose Aldo doesn't lose fights unless they are to absolute legends. 
I mean, think about who he's lost to. He's lost to uh, Holloway twice, Volkanovski, uh, who went on to become a ch- the champ after he beat Aldo in uh, Brazil, which is even fucking crazier. I guess Holloway beat Aldo in Brazil w- one time as well, but um, and the other time was in Detroit. Um, and Piotr Jan. And then... Oh, shit, that's embarrassing. Um, I feel like I... Uh, oh, Marlon Marais. Yeah, we can forget that loss. That that loss doesn't even doesn't even count. And then, obviously, Conor McGregor. So, he only loses to people who are legendary champs. So, I, I picked Aldo uh, to win this fight. And, you know, he, he dominated. He started using um, uh, more leg kicks than, than we've seen from him. Obviously, Aldo was known for his leg kicks, uh, you know, eons ago. But he kind of went away from it, and he, he he brought him back, not not to a crazy degree, but you know they played a, a they played a a role in the fight. They definitely chewed up Font's legs, and then Aldo's a fantastic boxer. He was landing some great body shots when he had Font hurt, and he probably dropped him two or three times, had him hurt several times in the fight, and um, no, he looked good. And this this is kind of like a. Um, it's kind of funny that him and uh, that Rob Font and Calvin Cater are teammates, um, because this this fight kind of reminds me of Max Holloway when he fought uh, Calvin Cater. In a sense, it's not that it's not that bad of a beating, but where people were going, listen, Calvin Cater's a really good, and he is a good boxer. There's no question. But hey, listen, Calvin Cater's an amazing boxer. I mean, this could be interesting for Max Holloway. I don't know. Holloway might have fallen off. And then we found out, oh, there's, there's actually levels to boxing. And actually, Max Holloway is several levels higher than Calvin Cater, who himself is levels above the competition. So, you know, it just gives you some perspective on how good Holloway is. Conversely, to tie it in with this, it gives, you know, Rob Font, great boxer. Look at what he did with just a jab to Cody Garbrandt. I mean, he's a fantastic boxer, no question. I'm not trying to shit on him. But I think it just goes to show how tremendous of a striker Jose Aldo is because look at what he did to the guy who did to the guy so and then you want to get even spookier look at what Piotr Jan did to Jose Aldo so it's like holy shit I mean you really can see the stratification in in the 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 tiers of striking and you know Jose Aldo's he's pretty up there he's pretty up there so you know this this was a, a a classic performance from a guy who's staying this guy's staying remarkably remarkably active I mean this he's now on a three fight winning streak uh, that's that's three wins in a calendar year uh, or no in a calendar year yeah I was gonna say just about but three wins in a calendar year that's good for any fighter that's good for any fighter especially someone who's taking tough fights you know Marlon Vera Pedro Munoz and Rob font you know those are no jokes uh, and 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 those are tough fighters who don't exactly have uh, name value so it's not it's not like he's fighting a super washed up Frankie Edgar or something. You know, he's fighting legitimate con- you know contenders or guy- at least guys in the rankings who are trying to work their way up. Uh, kind of funny that Rob Font is only one year younger than Jose Aldo and and we view him as a you know a contender, which he is. But you know, it's kind of funny. It just goes to show, you know, things happen at different times in different people's lives and careers uh, in, in MMA. You know, uh, but. You know, he's winning against these unheralded guys who should be heralded. I mean, they're, they're really good. I really like Pedro Munoz. He's a, he's a really good fighter. Yeah, he'll stand there and bang. Very intelligent fighter. 
Uh, Rob Font. He's still Rob Font's still probably a top five striker in the bantamweight division. He's still really good. Um, but you know, it's he, he's he's winning these fights. He's going to get rewarded big. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what. I don't know. Is Jan, Jan Sterling too official? I don't know if it is, but we'll assume that fight happens quarter two of uh, 2022. I, I don't think it's crazy, especially with one more win. Maybe you fight TJ Dillashaw. Maybe you fight Sandhagen. I don't know. But I don't think it's crazy that with one more win, we could have Jose Aldo rematch Piotr Jan. I mean, I understand that the, the, the first fight... I mean, it was kind of close until it wasn't, and then, you know, he got finished. But I, I don't think it's crazy that if you beat four, you know, f- fucking top contenders, he could work his way back, and, you know, you don't have to have seven years in between fights for, for, for rematches to happen. You know, Aldo's a big name. It'd be a good fight. Um, I don't believe people think Aldo necessarily would win, but that's true for a lot of fights. You can't necessarily just put fights together because you don't think, or can't, you shouldn't necessarily just not put fights together because you don't think one fighter has a chance. I mean, anything anything can happen, and if you deserve it, then that's all the more reason. But, uh, no, he's he's sitting pretty, and he's putting people back, and he kind of, he's kind of breaking the, um, the old, uh, I don't know, I guess adage, but there was that thing that everybody said for a long time, and I don't know who came up with it, and I don't know if it was necessarily statistically true, uh, although anecdotally you could certainly find examples, where I think I think what they said was, in MMA you only can be at the top for like seven or eight or nine years, and then you fall off, and like it's a tried and true method uh, where you know nobody nobody really ever breaks that. And Jose Aldo's kind of been at the top for like 13 years, and, he, and he's still going. Uh, now, I guess he's not champ uh, still, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by Jose Aldo, especially at 35, because you don't, you don't really see a whole lot of bantamweights doing tremendous things when, when we start to get to the age that Jose Aldo is. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to predict the, the hill is coming or the, the cliff is coming for Aldo until... Uh, until I see it, and uh, I have not seen it. Um, oh, just to close up, yeah, uh, Jan, Jan will beat Sterling, so I don't even consider the fact that Sterling would, would beat Jan. But if Sterling does beat Jan, I think that's even better for Jose Aldo because they've never fought, and uh, Aljamain would, would probably want to fight you know, a big, a big name. So uh, he's sitting pretty regardless. Uh, moving on to the co-main event, we had uh, Rafael Faziv uh, knock out Brad Riddell in round three with a wheel kick. Uh, yeah, interesting stoppage, good stoppage, I, I suppose. Um, you know, maybe a bad stoppage if it was in the first round. Um, you know, back and forth striking, but it was pretty clear that Faziv was was winning most of the uh, engagements. And, you know, those are just two incredibly high-level strikers. Um, but, you know, Fiziev is, is a major, major problem. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to think he lost his UFC debut. He lost his debut to Megamed Mustafayev. But, you know, now he's he's got three pretty good wins in a row. I mean, Moicano, you got to give him respect. And, and that was the one where he knocked him out 
uh, in under a minute. Uh, Bobby Green, who I think he lost the fight before that, but he was on a pretty good winning streak before, uh, or not not too in the not too distant uh, past at that point. And then uh, Brad Riddell. I mean, we moved him up in the rankings. So let me um, let me find that. I believe. Uh, well, for sure, both of them were in in the rankings uh, before this fight. So we moved Fazeev from 15 to 11, and we moved Riddell from 13 to 14. Um, but uh, no, it, it was a very good performance by Fazeev. The numbers are pretty darn close. Uh, Riddell landed uh, more leg kicks, but you know Fazeev was landing uh, pretty consistently to the head. Uh, I wouldn't say he was head hunting, but you know that's he definitely threw the majority of his strikes uh, to the dome, to the dome ski, and you you really could see Riddell was wearing it. Obviously, his fucking eyebrow fell off, so you know that's. I'm glad it wasn't stopped because I don't think that cut was in a bad spot. It's probably if you were gonna get a cut on your face, that's probably the place you would want to get it right on right on uh, right above the eyebrow. Because uh, uh, I guess you wouldn't want that underneath it, because that's probably getting stopped. If that if if that big of a cut happens underneath your eyebrow, it, it's getting stopped. Um, yeah, if it's on the forehead, I mean they, they probably won't stop it, but it's gonna bleed a lot. So yeah, he's gonna he's gonna need some stitches, several, a lot of stitches actually. But uh, you know, no no shame in in the in the fight for Riddell. Definitely fought like a warrior, but. Yeah, I thought it was a good stoppage. You know, he kind of it kind of landed on landed on him. Uh, it froze him up a bit, and uh, he 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 was out of it. it. You know, standing TKO, if you will. I guess he technically fell over at the end, but uh, there's there's no reason to take a shit ton of damage if that happens. Fifty seconds into a fight, maybe you let it go, but uh, kind of obvious that Fazeev was winning. You don't want to take anything away from Riddell or. Or, or anything like that. But what would have happened is Fazeev would have landed eight more punches, done some, you know, real, real damage, and then, you know, we call it a fight. So I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, and then uh, for Fazeev, I mean, so now we have him at 11. Uh, he's going to run into the same problem that Armand Sarukian is, is running into, and a lot of fighters are running into, especially in stacked divisions uh, such as lightweight. It's going to be pretty fucking hard for him to get a fight. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, he's probably still going to have to fight somebody below him. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to fight him, first of all, because he's good. But, I mean, look at what happened with Islam. It's taken him forever to get to the top. Uh, you know, Dan Hooker is out of the division. I mean, you have RDA. I don't really... Would Tony Ferguson fight him? I don't think so. Gregor Gillespie's sitting there at 10. Maybe a Carlos Diego Fajeda. Uh, who we have at 12. It would be a spot below him, but it's still another ranked win. I don't really know where he goes from here, but I love the trajectory. I think he's a great fighter. Matchmaking, he's probably going to run into some problems, which is uh, is natural in a, in a division where there's many established fighters and they don't really want to give up their spots to uh, unestablished fighters. Uh, except for RDA. RDA is a real G. RDA will fight anybody. Got to respect that guy. Uh, moving on to the featured bout, we had a round one 48-second knockout from Jamal Hill uh, over Jimmy Crute. Uh, that name gets me every time. I, I know it's Jamal, but why did they have to spell it Jamahal Hill? 
that's just waiting to trip over that one. It's like a landmine. Um, yeah, re- really good, really good knockout for uh, Jamal Hill. Stunned him early, hit him with the same. What was that? Right hook. Uh, just no, no defense from Jimmy Crute on that right hook. Couldn't stop it, and uh, Hill exploited that. Uh, I picked Jimmy Crute to to win that fight. I'm still pretty high on Jimmy Crute, but you know this is uh, this is unfortunate. Uh, you know, luckily it doesn't look like it did a whole lot of damage to him, and he's a tough guy. He's 25, so I'd like to see him get get right back in there. But uh, man, that's two losses in a row that are mildly unfortunate, especially the Anthony Smith fight because I think he would have beat Anthony Smith. I don't think Anthony Smith is that good. And, uh, you know, now he, now he's racking up the losses, lost two in a row, lost three of his last five. I'm not saying he's on the outs or anything. He's still in the rankings. But, uh, you know, this this was a guy who I kind of thought could be... I kind of thought he could be the Robert Whitaker of the light heavyweight division, and he's still very well invited. And actually, that, that would probably fit really well because Robert Whitaker actually did suffer a handful of losses. Not Well, not a handful. But I think he suffered like two or three losses early in his UFC career and then figured it out. But there's there's some parallels. I mean, obviously they're both Australian. I'd hate to make you know the lazy comparison that oh they're both Australian, but you know they're both tough as shit. Can take a lot of damage. Uh, although I guess you know getting finished in 48 seconds is is you know kind of hurts my uh, thing. But he's a tough guy. He's a good striker. He's a brawler. You know, Whitaker at times can be a brawler. I don't really know about Jimmy Crute's wrestling, but uh, yeah, you know that's a, that's a tough one and that's tough matchmaking too. Jamal Hill very very good fighter um you know we know he's a dangerous fighter uh i mean you, you finish osp a guy who's not really known for being finished you know that's impressive um and maybe people were down on him because he lost to paul craig um i, I really like paul craig i really like paul craig as evident uh from the uh, the mailman's matchmaking where I, I wanted paul craig to fight dom reyes i want paul craig to get a real challenge I love Paul Craig, especially on the ground. And you just never go to the ground with Paul Craig. And, you know, at the light heavyweight division, I would pick Paul Craig uh, over anybody if the fight goes to the ground. It's a a big if. But I don't give a shit if it's... I honestly do not care if it's Glover Teixeira fighting Paul Craig. If the fight is on the ground, (laughs) I'm picking Paul Craig. He's really fucking good. So, you know, I think just some perspective there on Jamal Hill. But... That was a good performance, and he could turn around real quick if he wanted, and uh, he's not going to run into the problems that Fiziv is going to have. I mean, they, they can find you somebody at uh, light heavyweight. In fact, if they wanted to be a real dick, and you know what? I, I'm calling this right now because the UFC loves to be a fucking dick to this guy. Uh, Volkan Uzdemir. Volkan Uzdemir is going to fight Jamal Hill next because they just love giving super dangerous young striking prospects to Volkan Uzdemir so that they can knock him the fuck out. Uh, we saw that with Megamed Ankalaev. We saw that with... Uh, well, he didn't knock him out, but he got beat up. Uh, we saw that with uh, Yuri. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's next for Jamal Hill. I'm calling it. Hill versus uh, Uzdemir. Uh, not that Uzdemir is a, a slub or anything. You know, Uzdemir still got power. Uh, moving on, still on the main card, we had Clay Guida. Uh, just uh, a couple of days shy of his uh, 40th birthday. Uh, in fact, I think it's tomorrow. So if he's tuning in tomorrow, then happy birthday. Uh, we had him uh, defeating Leonardo Santos via a round two submission, via a rear naked choke. 
uh, awesome performance from Clay Guida. I mean, he kind of got beat up, taken down in that first round. Santos is fucking 65 years old, gassed himself out, and you know, if if you don't have uh, if you don't have gas, then uh, it really doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are. I mean, he's a f- fucking uh, a million time BJJ winner, black belt, all that nonsense that I don't know. Uh, but you know, if you're if you're really tired, you'll tap, and uh, he tapped. So Clay Guida just being a monster. Clay is obviously known for his cardi his cardio. And uh, no, that's, that's a good win, and that's an appropriate uh, matchmaking there. Two old guys going at it. I like it. There's no, there's no reason to give Clay Guida, you know, some young gun. There's no reason to give Clay Guida Rafael Faziv. You know, we don't need him to die. But, you know, classic, classic performance. I saw people saying that uh, Clay Guida is uh, a UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. He's a, a UFC Hall of... I would say Hall of Gooder, but what what is Clay Guida? He's had a lot of fights in the UFC, and he's a semi-legend of the sport because he's had a lot of fights in the UFC. I'm not trying to take away from Clay Guida, but if Clay Guida, if Clay Guida even sniffs the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame means absolutely fucking nothing, which it already kind of does. Um, but yeah, Clay Guida's not a fucking Hall of Famer in any, in any sense of the word. But it was a nice win. Uh, moving on, we had a very disappointing fight for the mailman. We had uh, Chris Curtis knocking out Brendan Allen in round two. What a hell of a year for uh, Chris Curtis. That's six wins uh, on the year. That's two wins in a month uh, in the UFC, during his time in the UFC. And two really good fighters that he beat, Phil Hawes and uh, Brendan Allen. You know, Brendan Allen was somebody who I thought and kind of still think but you know it's going the wrong way that he's championship material um 25 good height uh his striking clearly has to improve because uh, he's been knocked out by sean strickland and chris curtis uh in, in the last 13 months but i thought his striking was okay he's, he's dangerous on the ground good good heel hooks well-rounded fighter i don't think cardio is that much of an issue with him not that it's something that's tremendous but uh, yeah, he fucked he fucked around and found out and got knocked out by Chris Curtis. Uh, I don't know if he didn't take him seriously. I don't know if Chris Curtis is just that good of a fighter. This was a guy who flamed out of the PFL and somehow is just having a great, great resurgence, resurgence, which you love to see. Rooting for the guy. Uh, kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of um, Kama Worthy. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, <laughs> end like it did for Kama Worthy, but. Uh, no, two two really good performances, back and forth fight, and uh, uh, people keep sleeping on Chris Curtis, and they get slept. So you know, that was a nice performance by Chris Curtis, and I think it's a fight that Brendan Allen is going to have to really uh, really go back and, and reevaluate a lot of things because that's uh, if you're going places that Brendan Allen uh, was projected to go, you, you don't lose fights to Chris Curtis. That's that's for certain. But uh, you know, it's MMA, so you never. You never really know just, just quite what's going to happen. Uh, moving on to the main card opener. We had a unanimous decision victory for Alex Morono over Mickey Gall. Uh, easy win. Anytime you see Mickey Gall uh, across from you, it's an easy win. Easiest of, of wins in the UFC. That's a guy who certainly does not belong in the UFC. And Alex Morono, seasoned striker, tough guy. Uh, his striking looks a little weird at times, but he, he when he lands, he, he really lands with some gusto. 
and uh no he's he's a good fighter he is a good fighter and and you know standing with him is a bad idea obviously we know mickey gall is a ground fighter we know that if you're a ground fighter you might have to stand with him at times you probably don't want to shoot for a takedown within the first five seconds but uh no, this is just a huge, huge, maybe not skill gap, because Mickey Mickey Gall is talented, or at least people tell me. Um, so maybe not a huge skill gap, but, you know, in, in terms of where they're at gap, it's pretty fucking massive, and Mickey Gall belongs in Bellator or uh, the, the PFL. I mean, he, he had that first-round finish over Jordan Williams. That doesn't say a whole lot. I mean, this guy's wins in the UFC are just against, you know, tremendous cupcakes i mean jordan williams salim tuari george sullivan sage northcutt cm punk and mike jackson i mean tell me tell me six easier wins you you possibly could find i mean yeah he, he doesn't belong uh and and morono i mean you know that's that's three fights in a in a row that he's that he's won uh cerrone zawada and uh, and now mickey gall so you know i don't really know what you do with him but he's, he's a very active fighter uh, you, maybe you put him up. Uh, maybe you put him up against another good striker. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you put him up against like uh, Cowboy Oliveira or something. That just kind of seems like uh, you know they're they're kind of one in the same. Although Oliveira is definitely on a losing you know hit, but uh, no, I'm sure you could stylistically find a good matchup for Morono. I don't think there's any reason to feed him to a fucking you know Islam Makachev, Khabib Nurmagomedov type grappler. Uh, all right, moving on to the extensive prelims. Uh, in the prelim headliner, we had uh, Dusko Todorovic knocking out Maki Patolo uh, in round one. Uh, Maki Patolo, yet another fighter who uh, is going to get a pink slip, does not belong in the UFC. That's four fights in a row that he's lost. He's lost five of his last six. Definitely will get cut. Um He's a fighter that will go for it. He's not a boring fighter. He is not a Elias Theodoru, but man, 13 and 9, you're losing all these fights. It's not exactly against the top competition in that division. And uh, he really got outclassed, out wrestled, and uh, finished on the ground. So uh, a, a nice win for, for Dushko. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a pink slip earning loss for Maki Patolo. And uh, maybe potentially a career saving win for Todorovic because. Uh, he won his debut against Dequan Townsend, but he, he lost two in a row to Punaheli Soriano and uh, uh, the RoboCop, Gregory uh, Rodriguez. So, might have saved his job because you lose three in a row. You know, there's no guarantee. Uh, moving on, we had an, a great finish from the star boy Manel Kopp over uh, Zalgas Zumagulov uh, this coming uh, in round one. Uh, just a great performance by uh, Manel Kopp, a guy who I was so excited for to come into the UFC, uh, especially because he's a flyweight. And flyweights are generally boring. I generally do not care about flyweights. Uh, it, it objectively is the worst division in the UFC, but Manel Kopp, there's something about him. He, I, I love his striking. It's so defense-oriented and, and style-oriented as well. But I just love it. He's like a, he's almost like, um, like a like a flyweight version of Wonderboy Thompson in a sense. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if karate is his background, uh, but just just in the sense of 
He move he moves with such grace, and his defense is so is so graceful. Uh, he's just a fun guy to watch, you know, uh, full of energy, um, sometimes too much, and that was obviously the problem in his first couple of fights, uh, where you know the, uh, he conserved too much energy, his output was too low, um, and and he has corrected that, and since then, since going 0 and 2. He has two first-round finishes in, in four months, you know, knocking out Ode Osborne and then knocking out Zuma Gulov. So I think I think a Manel Kopp, whose who's striking is is tremendous, uh, he's very fundamental, uh, great movement, uh, he has good cardio, uh, and really good power, actually exceptional power for flyweight. If we're talking flyweight, he's got exceptional power. So you, you, all of that, but a little more active, which is what we're seeing, this guy's a champ. This guy's a champion. Um, he might not be as dangerous of a striker necessarily as Davison, where with Davison, Davison is kind of energetic and a good striker and kind of like Manel Kopp. He'll, he'll, he'll definitely... Davison's more of the take one to give one as opposed to Manel Kopp. Manel Kopp just doesn't want to get hit. Um, but like when you watch Davison, when he throws these power punches sometimes... You just go, holy shit, he's really winding up with fucking everything. You, you don't necessarily see Manel Cop power punching a bunch of the time. But I, I, I'm just infatuated with this guy. And his wrestling hopefully has improved. Uh, you know, it, it's not the worst wrestling in the world, but it definitely uh, went against him, I believe, in both the Nicolau and Pantoja fight. And to be frank, I thought he won the Nicolau fight. Um, but you know, he's going places. I mean, the flyweight division is still... Uh, very very thin I mean we put him let's see here I think we had him at 15 yeah 15 we moved him to 10 because everybody above him sucks because the division is not good so you know he's probably he could be a win or two away probably two from a title shot I mean I don't know who you put him up against next Brandon Royval I don't know (laughs) Hogerio Bontarin and then you win that you rematch Pantoja or you fight Askarov or maybe you fight Perez and you know you're right there you're right there and uh, you know timing wise it's it's probably pretty good too that he's not a top contender because the uh, you know the trilogy will have taken place so we'll have some more clarity atop uh, the flyweight division in regards to the, the title and then you know just in time for Manel Cop to swoop on in and uh, you know fight for the title so you know I'm, I'm very high on Manel Cop. I think those first two losses were completely unnecessary, but you know, hopefully, it really, it really seems like he's learned his lesson from those two. So you know, that was a tremendous win. Uh, we'll go pretty quickly through some of these. We had Brian Barberina winning a unanimous decision over Darian Weeks, a guy who was five and zero and came in on short notice. He did what he's supposed to do. Good for Brian Barberina. Uh, we had Cheyenne uh, Velismus. Uh, winning a unanimous decision over Mallory Martin. Uh, I, I think uh, Cheyenne's definitely a fighter to watch out for at 115. Uh, I never really thought a whole lot about her. Um, I, I think I think um, if she gets taken down, that's still probably a very bad thing because of how she got dominated by uh, Montserrat Ruiz on the ground. But... Uh, She's a very good striker, a very good striker, and if you can't take her down, then I, I like her chances against a lot of the a lot of the division. Um, but uh, probably gonna have to clean up some of that ground game. 
Uh, we had William Knight winning a unanimous decision over Alonzo Menafield, two of the biggest uh, inflated balloons in the 205-pound division. Um, I know some people were saying Alonzo won. I, I disagree. I think uh, William Knight won that fight. Uh, third round was kind of boring. Definitely just held him up against defense. But, you know, and, and there was some discussion on the broadcast about that. But, you know, if you hold somebody up against the fence and they still don't land any punches, you still won the round. So, like, for, for all those people that, that said, oh, William Knight just held him up against the fence. Yeah, but all, all Alonzo Metafield did was get held up against the fence. It's not like he was, it's not like Alonzo Metafield had two knockdowns in that round. Like, you know, so maybe maybe William Knight, maybe all he did was a 2 out of 10, but all Alonzo Metafield did was a 1 out of 10. So it's like, well, I'm sorry that a 2 beats a 1, but it is what it is. You know, when the input, when the input is that low, sometimes it's all it takes. So uh, not, not the most exciting fight in the world, except for the end of, I think, round 1 and round 2, where they were fucking throwing with just terrible, terrible uh, intentions. But... Uh, that was a nice win for William William Knight, and uh, it's a very scary-looking man. Very scary-looking man. Uh, we had a uh, round three submission uh, coming by way of a knee bar for Claudio Puyas over Chris Gritzmacher. Uh, I truly, truly have nothing to say about this fight. Uh, Gritzmacher definitely uh, was losing the fight uh, up until that po- uh, point, and... Uh, yeah, that's that's three three unheralded wins in the UFC for Claudio uh, Puyas. So maybe maybe he's somebody to look out for. He does have a win over Jordan Levitt, which is kind of uh, kind of crazy, especially after what Jordan Levitt did to. Uh... Oh fuck! Who did he do that to? Matt Wyman. Especially after that fucking head slam he did against Matt Wyman. Absolutely brutal. Uh, and Chris Gritzmacher, I, I didn't even know he was in the UFC, to be honest with you. Uh, not uh, not a fan of Chris Gritzmacher. I don't think he's that good of a fighter, but it is what it is. Uh, and uh, on the prelim opener, we had a uh, round one knockout for Vince Morales over Luis Smolka. Great finish. Good killer instinct there by Vince Morales. Gets the... Uh, the early win that's two in a row uh, now he's beaten uh, smolka and draco rodriguez one of drew peterson's favorite fighters uh kind of a guy who's turning it around a little bit you know he started off one in three uh in the ufc and now now he's back to 500 so he's a 500 fighter and then for louis smolka that's yeah, tough he's only 30 he's only 30 uh i remember him from uh the ufc one no no UFC two video game where he's like the tallest flyweight because he's like five nine so he's like five nine one twenty five and he has the longest neck in the game uh, so that, that, that's basically all I have that's all I have in the in the memory Rolodex for uh, Louis Smolka he's he's the long neck guy um, but yeah that's that's about it uh, I think we quickly can go over the uh, some of the changes in the rankings uh, we already we already kind of did. Uh, starting with the light heavyweight division, obviously Jamal Hill beats Jimmy Crute. We move Jamal Hill from outside the rankings to in the rankings. Takes Jimmy Crute's spot at 14. Jimmy Crute falls from 14 to 15. And number 15, Daun Jong, is now unranked. Um, middleweight, we had uh, Brendan Allen losing, so we move him from 11 to 13. And Brad Tavares and Nasruddin Imovov 
each move up a spot. They are now 11 and 12. Uh, lightweight, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Rafael Fiziev wins over Brad Riddell, goes from 15 to 11. Diego Carlos Diego Fajeda stays the same at 12. Armand Sarukian goes from 14 to 13. Brad Riddell from 13 to 14. Joel Alvarez goes from not ranked to 15. And Grant Dawson goes from 11 to unranked. I don't know why the fuck Grant Dawson was ranked that high. And then he had that draw with, uh, with what's his name? Uh, shit, I totally forget, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Grant Dawson's out of the rankings. And bantamweight. So, uh, obviously the main event, Jose Aldo beats Rob Font. We had Font at uh, three and Aldo at five. They just switch sp- spots. So now Aldo's at three, Font is at five. So we got the champ Sterling, interim champ, true champ, people's champ, Piotr Jan at, uh, in, at interim champ, <laughs> I guess. At number two, TJ Dillashaw, three Aldo, four Sandhagen, five Font. And uh, flyweight, yeah, flyweight. So Manel Kopp from 15 to 10. Dvorak stays the same at 11. Tim Elliott from 10 to 12. And then each moving down a spot, uh, now occupying 13, 14, and 15 is Sue Madarji, Amir Albazi, and Bruno Silva, respectively. Uh, Cheyenne Bays did not crack the rankings at strawweight. So with that, we'll wrap it up here. Um, be sure to check out our website. Be sure to check out uh, my, my Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Uh, we, we got updated rankings. We'll probably, uh, we'll probably have some more shows to do. I really want to get back into the uh, Mount Rushmore uh, of each division, so I think we might uh, we might start doing that again and and, and rehashing that uh, because you know with what uh, Nganu has done, with what um, Usman has done since the last time we we tried to do one of those, you know there there might be some shuffling, there might be some shuffling going on in some of these divisions. So uh, I, I think we'll look to do some of the um, Mount Rushmores again. Obviously, we'll have the, the preview for 269 probably tomorrow. I think we're going to do that one pretty early. I think we want that one out there um, for people to consume at their own pace. You know, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it six hours before. Actually, more like two hours before normally. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to be on top of that. So with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.